0: looks like some kind of insect a bee bees scotty killer bees
1: are you endowing these bees with human motives
0: do you have any idea what those bees can do the honeybee is vital to
1: the environment oh no no, not the bees not the bees
2: ah
0: killer bees
1: season two season two that's how you wanted to start season two with a mouthful of cheese
0: it's <laughs> you want me to start over
1: <laughs> not now now it's a great intro
0: now that the world knows i was eating cheese before we started to record free
1: advertising
0: yeah exactly please sponsor us we eat, we <laughs> eat cheese often
1: um oh this is not a wu-tang podcast do i have to keep doing that for season two yeah we still haven't made it a wu-tang podcast yet I decided i have to keep doing this until we do, like, uh, you know, the RZA or something.
0: But, like, we do one Wu-Tang podcast and then we're good. Like, exactly. Then it, I never then have to say that mind. again because
1: then we're a Wu-Tang podcast. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Maybe, maybe a good reason to put him on the list sometime soon. Sure. <laughs> Uh, my name is Garrett Smith.
0: My name is Tori Vitenza.
1: And you can tell we've really like sunk into the groove here in Season 2, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, in case you don't know, this is... More comfortable, more laid back. This is a podcast that profiles B-movie and genre film icons.
1: Yes, and we can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer B's Podcast. That's Killer B's Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. And we are a part of the Movie John Podcast Network, which can be found at Mm moviejohn.com. That's the Philadelphia John, J-A-W-N. And uh, look them up on Patreon and uh, become a subscriber. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the time you're listening to this, an issue will have come out in which I wrote an article about the movie Speed Racer Mm -hmm. and how its themes made it the perfect premiere movie for the online editing collective known as racer trash and if that sentence made no sense to you i recommend googling racer trash
0: yeah they're a favorite in this household (laughs)
1: yes they are um uh yeah our artwork is by alex schneider our music is by christine rayburn and her partner pat and for season two we are kicking things off with adrian babo yeah uh, which i said in that accent because i'm fun In
0: in case you didn't know yeah uh yeah we're really excited for uh for her and for season two
1: adrian barbeau is a household favorite and uh perfect perfect lady to kick off season two with
0: she's very very cool um we which i will uh we will post this on our social media when this episode comes up but uh in february the uh Sundance Film Festival had a online um, like panel with Adrian Barbeau and some other women in horror that we got to watch. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, and she answered one of my questions. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I completely
1: forgot about this. Tour. Yes,
0: uh, I found it on YouTube today. Okay. Because uh, I knew that they had recorded it, um, and it has like her and some other like really cool ladies that work like in different capacities in the horror. Uh, yes industry yeah uh and it's very cool but yes adrian barbeau answered my question yeah
1: that was really fun to watch live yeah what was that part of
0: Uh, it was part of sundance okay right okay yeah and it was hosted by uh the coolidge corner theater in boston okay um which is really awesome they're really great yeah yeah
1: awesome um you want to go over some stuff we've been watching lately
0: sure what were you uh thinking
1: well um I mean, I will take any opportunity to bring up Michael Mann's Thief, which we rewatched on our nice 4K TV. Um, I have the Criterion Blu ray of Thief. I love this movie. I find it highly rewatchable. Um, as with many Michael Mann movies, the diner scene is fucking incredible. Uh, this movie is a mood. It's my kind of mood. It's a vibe. It's my kind of vibe. Love the way it looks. Love that Tangerine Dream score. Uh, And I actually felt like I've seen this movie many times and I often find the, I think Willie Nelson is great in this movie. I think that his character is the most enigmatic character in the movie. Um, The one that I always find very fascinating and his relationship with Frank is so fascinating. And I did feel like this viewing, I might have actually felt like something clicked for me there where I felt like I maybe understood a little bit more about their relationship and how it's actually really fueling a lot of what's going on in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was cool. I love I it's love watching movie. that movie. It's a big recommend from me. Thief is fantastic.
0: Yep. Um, I also don't think we talked about it at all, but recently uh, I watched a movie for the first time called Dune. <laughs> oh,
1: fuck. We, yeah, we watched Dune.
0: <laughs> we watched David Lynch's Dune, yeah. which I had never seen before, and our good friend Ryan uh, gave us a Blu-ray copy of it. Yes. So we watched it, and it was an experience like a, I knew how weird this movie is like yeah. historically yeah but it, it still was like even crazier than I could have expected
1: it's a whole fucking thing like I, I yeah. was trying to explain to someone because I've seen it before I saw it at an exhumed screening which mm. is really cool I got to see like you know a 35 millimeter print of it That's I cool. think one of the like weirder longer edits mm-hmm. that is like a little harder to find
0: and the Mahoning just did like a David Lynch weekend yeah. and showed it so it's probably probably that like same that. print Yep. yeah mm-hmm.
1: and um you know, it's I'm. I remember falling asleep when I saw it that time. Um, it's a sleepy movie because it's kind of sleepy, and, and I don't even mean that as like a negative necessarily. It it, it is also a kind of mood movie mm-hmm. that is also like a big space opera, and for all of the design elements that are great and cool and fun to look at. Uh, the storytelling is like kind of haphazard to the point of yeah. be, at a certain point, it becomes like pretty difficult to follow kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you kind of just like, like let it just roll mm-hmm. and like try not to think about, you know, try not to follow along with like the intricacies of, I don't even remember what they're called. The, 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 Atre the, Atre the, Atre- the Atreides family or whatever. Right. Paul Atreides. I think yeah. That's name. Yeah. Um, like if you try just not to bother with the intricacies of like how all these people are related and so much much going on and kind of just let it roll and listen for the David Lynch stuff because it's in there and, and like kind of boldly actually, like there's all that stuff where Paul keeps talking about, like the sleeper has awakened, Mm. um, which feels very Lynchian. And it feels like there is this Lynch stuff in here. And if you kind of just let it be that, It's pretty fun to watch. It is. You know, like, it it does kind of work, but only at, like, a very, like, um, experiential level. It's
0: also weird, because I read Dune years ago, and I think I remember this from reading the book, but also then just watching the movie, I was like, God, all of these characters are so cold. And then I was like, oh, no, but I'm pretty sure that just is that book. Like, that's not, like, a Lynch thing. It's just kind of all of these characters. Yeah. There's something, like, I don't know, clinical about the way they all act around each other. It's so reserved. and
1: They're all, like, ciphers for ideas. Yes. Yeah. And, like, uh, I don't know. It's that kind of thing where, like, some, I'm not to disparage Frank Herbert, I guess. I don't know. Is he a guy that should be disparaged? I don't know a lot about him. I don't him. know. Uh, but, like, it feels like the kind of sci-fi that just, like, a real fucking nerd read, like, a, a truly entertaining science fiction book. Mm. And wrote his version of that, which is, like, very involved in the minutiae of, like, the world that he's building, but not necessarily as concerned with, like, Gonna the have a bunch of Dune entertainment value up. of it, you know what I mean? You know uh-huh. what I mean. Yeah, it's it's, it's not uh, pop-friendly, even though it is, like, a huge pop phenomenon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah.
0: It, it is interesting, though, especially, yeah, just, like, with the casting and stuff, where you're, like... Oh, yeah. Kyle McLaughlin is, like, so good and, like, so much stuff. Yeah. And he's great. He is, like, still really good. But, like, there is a warmth to him that I feel like he's suppressing because Paul is such a cold character.
1: And, and like, weirdly, I mean, he does make sense as Paul. But also, like, the whole movie feels like a movie where, you know, you're watching actors. I guess some actors definitely know what they're doing, I think. Like, there mm-hmm. are some perform, But, like... Some of the leads, and McLaughlin included, it feels like they spend most of the movie being like, w- w- "What movie am I in? Like, what what are we doing?"
0: Also, what is the other family calls? They're so gross.
1: Oh, God. The Harkonnens. The
0: Harkonnens. Oh, they're yeah. so fucking gross. I know. Gross. They really are disgusting. <laughs> they're like, disgusting. That's, like, the thing that Lynch, I everything like, about probably them.
1: nails the most, you know, is just, like, how fucking yeah. gross the Harkonnens are. super I itchy. actually, my, maybe my favorite thing in the movie is, in like, the first 20 minutes, that, like, big slug thing in the box.
0: Oh, it's, like, a, a space... Whale,
1: yeah, yeah. That's like in a box but that like, like bends communicates space. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. yeah. I, yeah, it's strange. Incredible, like design and puppetry. And, yeah, yeah, really cool. I, I like Dune. I, I don't, I don't like love that movie, but I, I do think it's it was like entertaining. Yeah it, yeah, it is a a pretty good. Just I don't know, sit back, enjoy yourself. Uh, you know,
0: for sure.
1: I'm basically avoiding saying get a little high and and watch a movie. Yeah,
0: get. It. A little, a lot, a bit higher. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I think that pretty much. Yeah, covers I, it I would for, be
0: glad to to dive to, in to jump
1: right into yeah. Adrian.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, she she did a lot of TV, but she has one hundred and fifty three acting credits. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Adrian Barbeau. Um, I have this quote that I really like that just says, "It's wonderful at this point in my career to realize there are pieces of work that I have s- that have sustained themselves all this time." Which is, I think, like a cool. Uh, I don't know. I think we've like heard this with a lot of these char- these like character actors and stuff, where all of a sudden they're like hit a point in their life where all of a sudden they have like all these young fans and things and they're just like obsessed with them. And they're like, oh, whoa, like people still like this film or still react to it. And I just think that's very cool.
1: I think to be able to enjoy one's legacy in their own lifetime is incredible and rare and actually kind of unique to like our age, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that is like, that's kind of wonderful.
0: Um, So Adrian Barbeau um, was born June 11th, 1945, in Sacramento, California. Uh, she's the daughter of an executive for Mobile Oil. <laughs> okay. Um, she attended the Burlingham, uh Conservatory of Music as a child, um, okay. went to school at Del Mar High School in San Jose, and attended Foothill College in Los Altos Hills, California. Um, she uh, was a uh, A part of a USO tour of Southeast Asia in 1963. She said she was paid seven dollars per day. It was her first professional job. Um, In her autobiography she wrote, she says it was the that she first caught the show business bug while entertaining troops at army bases throughout Southeast Asia touring with the San Jose Civic Light Opera.
1: That's so interesting. So she actually starts in music basically and and then is performing for people through that and is like oh I, I like to perform.
0: And then uh she worked at a New York City go-go bar and yeah, was like she did. a dancer and it says specifically that it was like a mafia-run nightclub and she danced wow. from like 1964 to 1967 uh, while she was breaking in on Broadway. Um, okay. she quit after the owner decided to turn the place into a bikini bar. <laughs> yeah, Respect. good for you, Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> um she made her Broadway debut in Fiddler on the Roof in 1968. I didn't know she started on the stage. This yes. is really cool. And this is how she met her acting men- Mentor B. Arthur, who oh. she uh, later did uh, the television show Maud with. Yeah, um, who cool. And she was really influential on her. Uh, yeah, and they they did Fiddler together. And then in 1972, she was the original Rizzo in the first Broadway production of Grease, uh, which received oh. seven Tony Award nominations.
1: So uh, you had told me about this part, actually, so I, I don't need to act too surprised, but yeah. that is very cool. I had no idea. And she totally makes sense to me as Rizzo.
0: Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, we know that she was married to the director, John Carpenter. They were married from 1979 to 1984. Uh, they eventually got divorced, and they had a child, uh, Cody Carpenter, uh, who uh, still like does work with his father. He's a musician, and they, yeah. they do work together, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, uh, I really like those Lost Themes albums that yes. uh, come out under John Carpenter's name, mm-hmm. but he makes them with Cody and... Um, Another artist, uh, Daniel Davies. Yes, um, who who's we have his, one of his records. godson, I think. godson, I think? yeah. 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 Um, we have one of his records, too, which is very good. He's
2: great, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: on the She Kills podcast, she tells this great story about how um, she started dating Carpenter uh, when they worked together on a TV movie, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's how they met. And uh, she... W- Got engaged to him very quickly. Uh, Halloween was just coming out. And so she and her girlfriends went to go see Halloween. And after they saw Halloween, they were just like, you can't marry this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a funny story.
1: Yeah. I mean, divorced of it being John Carpenter, like, forget what you know about h- yeah. him in general. If you, like, got to meet the person that made, like, a really cool horror movie that you were into, you would probably be elated. You would be like, yeah, I'm, like, way into this.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, she later gets uh, remarried to Billy Van Zandt, uh, actor, producer, and writer, uh, and they recently filed for divorce, but she had two kids with them. Um, at age 51, she gave birth to a dangle twin boys, uh, which is wild.
1: That is truly um, wild.
0: I truly can't believe uh, that she did that. It,
1: twins. Twins. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, She's
0: we, like just such a strong woman in need, every way. We don't <laughs> even
1: need to keep going. Like, I we don't know. even need to talk about her career. She had twins yes. at, at 51 years old
0: uh she also talks about which i thought was interesting how uh, initially she like wasn't interested in getting into the film industry she always refers to it as a quote flesh market which i find really funny um she also is not a huge horror fan um she said she avoids horror films completely she doesn't like scares she doesn't like gratuitous blood and gore she loves acting in them especially the good ones the ones that are well written and sometimes witty um but in general, does not like watching horror. You know uh, that's even interesting. That's a huge part of her career.
1: That quote gives me a little insight into a movie we'll talk about later. I yes. think. Yeah, yeah, that's cool.
0: Um, so yeah, she starts uh, acting on film and television in the seventies, um, and she did the Love Boat and the TV show Mod, which she was a regular on with B. Arthur. Um, in 1976, she does a TV movie called The Great Houdini, which is of course a biopic on Harry Houdini. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. In
0: 1977, she does another TV movie called Red Alert with Emmett, uh, M- Emmett Walsh. It's
1: hard to say his name because it's got the Emmett Every time <laughs> I look at him, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, and it's about a computer at a nuclear power plant that malfunctions and seals off the compound, trapping the crew inside. That sounds cool. S- sounds horrifying. Yeah. Um, in 1978, she was in the TV movie The Fighting Nightingales, which Ooh. apparently was a short-lived spin-off of the TV show M.A.S.H., all right. uh, that followed an all-female-run military hospital. Uh, she then does another TV movie called Crash, uh, starring alongside William Shatner, and then uh, finally does uh, the John Carpenter TV film Someone's Watching Me, uh, yeah. which we got our hands on a couple years ago and watched, uh, which because we were both like really excited to see this. And this was this came out after Dark. So- Dark Star, Assault on Precinct 13, and Halloween. Oh, that's
1: so, interesting. So it actually. So com- he had had yeah. a bit of a
0: career before uh, he does this TV movie. Yeah, yeah, that's um, very interesting. Yes, um, and as we also know, we because we recently watched two separate movies that were um, his scripts that yeah. he had written and sold. Um, so it's also it's interesting how much carpenter work like is really out there.
1: Yeah, um, uh, and especially from like the 70s, like the the. Yes. There's actually more John Carpenter in the '70s than I than I think like a lot of people probably realize yeah, because of like all the scripts that he sold. I Think and, he's an '80s guy? Yeah, yeah. Some of the TV movies he did. Mm-hmm. You know, Dark Star is basically like a student film that got funded yeah. into a feature film. Um, yeah, uh, he has a lot of it, and I, I his '70s work is interesting. Like, I like this movie. Yeah. If someone's watching me. It kind of feels like a Halloween sequel in mm-hmm. some way. Like, it feels like what if Michael Myers made it to the city and like. Basically yeah. stalked an apartment complex. Yeah, for um, sure. Which is a, a cool, scary idea.
0: Yeah, uh, it's funny how many of these like type of movies there are, yeah. especially around this time, where yeah, it's yeah. like that also center around like these big apartment complexes. I, and I think maybe it's because like those are like supposed to be safe because they have like these extra security precautions yeah. and stuff. But then like and all I this I creepy assume... stuff happens in them.
1: I assume maybe they're new to society in, like, the 60s so and 70s. So people are kind of obsessed with them. Right? Yeah. Like, just the idea of, like, a a complex that has, like, a lot of places that are not just, like, it's not a hotel. You're yes. not renting a room for the night. Yeah. You, you're living there. You're renting a space for an extended period of time yeah. or whatever. I, I, I don't know. I'm just talking out of my ass right now. But based on the fact that there are so many of these movies that, mm-hmm. you're right, are based on this concept of how safe they are and how unsafe they might actually mm-hmm. be. I would imagine they must be like a fairly kind of like new... Yeah, that's interesting. Uh,
0: but yeah, it's it's about this like you know kind of young like businesswoman who's like getting a start in this new place, and she is like being stalked. And Grand Barbo like plays the friend that she meets like at this new job that she just started. Um, so she's kind of like the sassy friend that's helping her out, and she's like really fun and great. And yeah. I actually specifically remember that like she and the other lead, who I should look up, had like really good chemistry.
1: Uh yeah, I don't remember who played the uh, the lead in this movie. I the thing I think about very often is the uh, laundry room sequence. Do you remember what I'm uh, talking about?
0: Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: it's Lauren Hutton, I think, is the uh, star of this movie.
0: Yes, that that sounds right. because um, yeah. she's another person that has a pretty interesting career that uh we should do at some point. But, totally. Uh yeah, she and Barbo are like really really good together. Um and yeah, this is her first time working with John Carpenter. She uh, mentions kind of like how they fell in love on this, which I think is really funny. Uh Um, So she goes... an interview from 1980 I found, said, all I knew about John was that he made horror movies. I'd heard about his assault on Precinct 13. I walked in expecting some kind of hard-boiled guy and here was this sweet salt-and-pepper gentleman. I think I began to fall in love with him right then and there, but I heard that he was seeing someone else, so all during the filming of someone is watching me, I kept my distance and I tried to discourage myself my emotional feelings. And then, on the last day of shooting, John said he wanted to have dinner with me and discuss something. I thought maybe it was his next screenplay he sat down and said I've fallen in love with you well we were married January 1st 1979 wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. which is like on one hand a sweet story and on the other hand I do believe he was seeing someone like throughout all of this oh, so I, I think that there is a little bit of a like yeah he kind of like uh, mm-hmm. probably really uh, uh, disappointed someone uh, in yes. you know, um, starting a relationship all these Adrian.
0: ladies fighting over John Carpenter I know it's so funny to think about <laughs> Um, so, yeah, that's that's their first time working together, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and then in 1979, she, doesn't, she is like all TV movies at uh, this time. Um, she does a film that we really want to find called The Darker Side of Terror, starring Robert Forster, who we love. We uh, love him about a, a scientist at a research lab who is passed over for a promotion he creates a clone of himself to attempt to seduce the wife of the man who got the job
1: That is fucking some wild Fucking awesome shit I got to see that I love Robert Forster And I think it
0: is on YouTube but it's like a pretty shitty Yeah
1: we did copy. actually try to watch this but it was like you literally couldn't watch it without it like also being in French or like Yeah there was and, like weird subtitles yeah, with yeah. It, it so was, Yeah
0: uh, definitely am interested in seeing this.
1: Yeah, I don't, if that's, like, available anywhere that we're not aware of, like, please email us and tell us where we can get our hands on that.
0: Um, so, then we get to her work in the 80s. So, for TV, she does things like uh, Fantasy Island, which she had a recurring role on, The Twilight Zone, Murder, She Wrote, of course, and uh, The Real Ghostbusters. I
1: watched The Real Ghostbusters growing yeah, up. Yeah, real big funny. I'm a Ghostbusters fan, uh, and did not know that she was uh, one of the actresses on that. In fact, I don't even know, like, who she plays on that. Let me look that up really quick while we uh move on here, because I'm I'm curious.
0: Yeah. Um and it may have just been like an episode. Um, yeah, yeah. Then uh in nineteen eighty she does uh, Oh yeah, it
1: is. She's Mrs. Campbell in mm-hmm. the copycat.
0: Uh she does The Fog, uh, which is a carpenter that I we like rewatched um pretty early on into our relationship because yeah. we were both just like Uh, oh this is like a movie of his that I've like never really clicked with and I think is kind of boring and so then we decided to watch it I think for his birthday because we usually like watch a John Carpenter movie on his birthday and we both rewatched it and we're like holy shit what was I talking about this movie's really great it's so good it's It's a vibe movie amazing she's this like radio DJ which then kind of becomes a thing throughout her career um, because she's got such like a good like sultry voice and so that's her whole thing is like she is reporting on like what is happening on this island town as this fog creeps in and these like pirate ghosts are like attacking the town i
1: mean it's gotta be one of the sexiest characters in movie history just based on the location that john has her in oh yeah she
0: mentions that in some interviews like where they're shooting is gorgeous well
1: and she's a dj from a lighthouse Yes. Her DJ, so she's cool. broadcasting out of a lighthouse, mm-hmm. which is just something about that is so cool <laughs> and sexy in and of itself to mm-hmm. me, which I can't really explain other than just like this. Y- you good, like a lady in a lighthouse. This good looking lady with this very sultry voice, <laughs> yeah. like broadcast. I mean, I lo- I, I've been podcasting for like a decade, yeah. you know, like broadcasting out of this like wonderfully romantic location yes. And she's, like, surrounded by, you know, like, the way they always depict DJs and stuff. Like, there's all these, like, this vinyl around her and, like, equipment and stuff. It's fucking awesome. She looks
0: so good. And she just is so good in this movie. Especially since, like, she's kind of just, like, communicating to other people via, like, the radio and her phone and all this other stuff. So it's interesting. And it
1: ends up being part of this tradition of movies that sort of have this kind of, like radio dj narrator right like you and i are both fans of the warriors which has the the kind of radio dj narrator she's also amazing Um, there is this movie i don't know that you've seen it called vanishing point um Mm -hmm. it's a really good car movie that features he's always listening to this particular station throughout and basically the person on that station is somehow narrating what he's doing throughout the movie Um, there, you know, this, uh, uh, Tarantino uses this multiple times mm. in his career, um, because it is such a tradition in movies. Well, it's interesting
0: how movies, like, I think a lot of those movies just kind of use it as like a, a person to narrate and stuff, yeah. but she is like so fully in this movie She's a as character that character. in the world of the movie, uh, yeah. But it is interesting because even then she does that for other roles where right. she is like sometimes just a voice and yes, we don't yes. really see her, um, one of the I have a couple things from her about the fog she goes uh, I do think one of the reasons the fog is so successful is that John Carpenter wrote fully realized quirky characters that audiences care about and identify with people remember Stevie Wayne they love her voice they love the lighthouse where she works and they love her heroism <laughs> she's saying. like it's, I know yes, I know what yep. people are into and it's it does have such a good cast it's Tom Atkins oh, yeah. it's Jamie Lee, Jamie Curtis. Lee Curtis yeah um, her mother is also in it oh, uh,
1: uh, yeah Um. um uh. Lee, uh, why can't I think of it now? Janet Lee. Janet right? Lee,
0: yes, uh, yeah. So it's just it's like all of like the Carpenter people. Yeah. Oh,
1: and uh, Hal Holbrook is yeah. the uh, the He's priest. so good. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, one of the friends from Halloween is also in it too. Oh, I always sure. forget she, that actress's yes. name. And she's
1: in like so many of these movies. Yes. She's wonderful.
0: Yeah, and she uh, is another like Carpenter person that kind of just plays like the side characters a lot. She, I believe she's Tom Atkins' wife in uh, Halloween three.
1: Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I'll get her name any second here uh all right keep going i don't know
0: um the i the other note i have here is just about what it was like working with that much fog uh and i think it is just like a weird production thing uh that is interesting to talk about she said it wasn't pleasant to work with the fog um and that's an understatement they made it out of kerosene and water it was smelly and sticky and the entire production was permeated with it Er. and there was a basic problem it was the easiest thing in the world to get the fog into the scene but it was almost impossible to get it out we had to act backwards in some scenes uh, they'd blow the fog in and have us move in reverse oh my god. and then reverse the fog to create the illusion that the fog was retreating i had one scene in which i had to move from terror to apprehension to interest to indifference so that they could reverse it for the fog oh
1: my god fucking
0: crazy that's
1: insane yeah. like it's weird to think about movies like that and be like what an acting challenge and <laughs> now i'm like i,
0: mean? I want to rewatch the fog again so we can figure out like what that actually is like that's just is so crazy to me
1: yeah uh by the way it's nancy loomis that we're talking about and the reason i was having trouble finding her name is that's what she went by in movies but i guess her name is nancy caius or kai oh, or, or something which um, is loomis like that's I, yes yeah. i know
0: yep um yeah, so so we love the fog. Um, oh, what? Well,
1: yeah, this this has become one of my favorite Carpenter movies. Yeah,
0: it's it's so fun and atmospheric, and I think like she hits on something too. Like the characters in that movie are really great. It's just a good ensemble yeah. cast.
1: Yeah, uh, Atkins, you know, in both of our opinions, very sexy man, but maybe never sexier than in this movie. Yeah, right? and like
0: he scores Jamie Lee Curtis in this, and, 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 and you're like can like,
1: get it. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like
0: believed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. She then does a film the same year called Top of the Hill, which is a TV movie uh, starring with Sonny Bono.
2: Okay.
1: Uh,
0: and then another one called Valentine Magic on Love Island, which I'm, is such a funny name. That's
1: a great title. Uh, and then in
0: 1981, she does, again, a with John Carpenter, Escape from New York. Uh, and yeah. And she... Uh, is kind of partners with Harry Dean Stanton, yes, uh, who right. we did for the podcast, uh, and they're really great together. I uh, also know one thing we kept talking about was, like, she's she's so good in these movies, and she is really sexy in so many ways, yeah. but I feel like she doesn't always dress very sexy, yeah. like, like or, like, is, like, isn't wearing anything, like, over-the-top, like, revealing. Right. But, like, then I think about this movie, yes. and, like her tits are like out like so much of the movie. She is wearing this like kind of tight dress. And I'm like, it's so funny to me. I was like, Oh yeah, that's the movie I always think of when I'm like, Oh yeah, she is like weirdly sexy in this post-apocalyptic like movie that John Carpenter did.
1: Yeah. You're, I mean, she definitely, I I feel like uh, as you mentioned in Mm -hmm. an earlier quote where she refers to Hollywood as, what'd you say? A skin market. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I think that she, she seems to have had a lot of control over her her image throughout her career. Um, Although we'll talk about some movies where they definitely show off that she's this like incredible looking woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, I mean, in this movie, it really feels like Carpenter is like, oh, it's hot, right? (laughs) You know,
0: Yeah, that's definitely it. And like, yeah, this is another one when she's really, she's really great. Um, You know, it's, it's all about like uh, Kurt Russell's character, Snake Plissken, going into the city of New York, which is now like an entire prison. um, And people are just running around and because and he has to go in because the president has been captured. And it's it's funny like cuz Harry Dean and Adrian Barbeau are both characters that like live in New York in this prison and I fucking like totally believe that like they're this like these badass people that are surviving in this like insane place. Yeah. Uh, it like it just works really well and they are really good with Kurt Russell. Like oh, yeah. it, this is another one where you feel like they got a good like little ensemble cast.
1: I mean, my big controversial opinion is that I I prefer Escape uh, from L.A. Mm -hmm. uh, to this movie.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting opinion. Yep, yep, yep. I, I enjoy it. It's just that the effects are so bad. Uh, oh, come on. What are you talking about? It's great. <laughs> um, This is one of my favorite John Carpenter uh, theme songs, though. I used oh, to listen yeah. to this all the time. Yeah. Um, I really, really... I love the beginning of this movie with the title cards and everything. I think it's, like, really good. Me too.
1: And uh, Levi and Cleef has all those great scenes in the beginning of the movie yes. who I really, really like. Yeah. Yep.
0: Um. She then does uh, Cannibal Run, uh, starring Burt Reynolds. You know what? I've
1: never seen that, and I would really like to. I've ne-
0: never seen it either. And then in 1982, she does Swamp Thing with Ray Weiss, uh, which we just watched uh, for the first time yes, for this. Yes, directed uh,
1: by Wes Craven.
0: Yeah, uh, and it's a movie that, like, you know, I had heard of a bunch uh, and just, like, never really thought about. And then when we decided we wanted to do Adrian Barbeau, I was like, all right, well, like, now we got to watch Swamp Thing. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was pretty good and fun I did too. One of the one of the biggest things I feel like is that Barbeau and Weiss have like so much fucking chemistry. Totally, and they make a really good love story in this very strange movie that's really believable, even though it's like they just met and like fall in love immediately. I actually
1: think this movie basically doesn't work if it's not the two of yeah, them. Yeah, I agree. They have so much good chemistry. Yeah. Because it's really ten minutes of the movie yeah. that they get to spend together mm-hmm. before he's Swamp Thing, yes, and and they are literally meeting for the first time. So yeah. it's not just that we only get to spend ten minutes mm-hmm. with them; they only get to spend ten yeah. minutes with each other. But the chemistry is so palpable between them that it does actually earn this kind of tragic romance yeah. over the rest of the movie. Because the movie is, you and I kept talking about, like it feels very like James Whale inspired. Mm-hmm. Like it feels yeah. like a universal monster movie Mm -hmm. in the way that those movies are kind of like tragic romances, you know? Um and uh I I liked it on on that level. I also thought it like there's a lot of witty banter in this movie that I don't know if it all totally works Mm -hmm. but feels to me like, oh, these are what Marvel movies are. Mm. Like the the thing like nobody really likes this movie and this movie I don't think is well reflected on Swamp Thing I mean. And and people love the Marvel movies, and I feel like that tone is here. Yeah, it's like it's like he Craven made one of those movies before we were making those movies, and people didn't really like respond to it.
2: Yeah, um,
0: yeah. One of the things I wanted to say too is, I, and I think it must be a credit, especially to Barbo, is that after that first ten minutes, uh, Ray Weiss was no longer playing Swamp Thing. Yeah. Um, it's this, yeah, it's like a
1: different actor. Right? Yeah, it's
0: it's a different actor who's like much taller and yeah. like broader and is wearing like all of this like makeup and prosthetics and stuff because like that is something that happened a lot we've noticed is just that yeah. usually the leads are not the ones that you, they are spending all this time putting prosthetics on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like she has to then have chemistry with this like creature for the rest of the film and does it really well. Like oh, yeah. she's initially really terrified, but then like it is really believable that she's still like oh yes like this is the the man that I fell for and yeah. regardless of what he's turned into like that doesn't change anything and it's like it really works so good yeah. she's like really awesome in this and also like still a total badass is mostly fighting off all these guys like on her own and like she is kind of constantly getting saved by swamp thing but yeah. you also get the sense that she can kind of hold her own which totally. is great
1: it's like they, they have like a partnership it's partly why the romance really works yes. right yeah yeah um
0: and then I want to find the kid's name she okay. God. acts beside this great kid who is not in anything else it looks like this was his one film and
1: we loved him so much he, he was, was like tremendous uh, in this.
0: reggie bats yeah. is the name um and yeah it was like it's his only thing and he is so good in it and they have a lot of fun like as this like oh she like goes to like get help because he like runs a gas station or his family does yeah. or something and then he's just kind of like on the run with her helping yeah, yeah. her out in the swamp and he's so funny and cute it yes. like it, uh, the, I think like the characters and relationships work really well the bad guy feels like a James Bond villain yep, yep. like it's all really good his henchmen
1: are all like doofy goofs uh, that that are kind of fun you know they're like the kind one of, of the like...
0: guys I have only seen in things uh, in one movie where he was a rapist and he's also I know plays a rapist in another Wes Craven movie and so I'm like yeah. oh this guy just is always a bad guy <laughs> yeah, creep yeah, yeah. like that's his thing
1: yeah uh i thought this movie was really good i i mean not like great but really good i i think it's got a bad reputation and it it doesn't deserve it necessarily uh
0: we also watched the unrated version which we realized is really only unrated because of one single scene where she is like topless taking like having a bath in the swamp yes um and one of the notes i have is that her nude scene scene in swamp thing was intended only for the european release but eventually made its way into an american dvd of the movie until a texas housewife complained of her son inadvertently viewing uh nudity in a pg rated movie <laughs> uh at which point the dvd was recalled so silly so silly uh yeah, of course, it's a texas housewife I, to, I
1: know i have to say it's a really interesting scene too i mean it's like On one hand, it is definitely exploitative of of Barbeau. But on the other hand, it's like, I mean, she's like kind of literally having sex with the swamp in that scene. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, it basically allows this movie to have what I think is a pretty romantic sex scene. Yeah. Without there having to be a graphic sex scene in the movie. Because
0: also, as we can see from the swamp thing, guy doesn't look like he has genitalia. So
1: really, she can only have sex with (laughs) the swamp. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. But I thought that was kind of an interesting way to get around like having a, a like graphic sex scene, yeah, you know, um, it was interesting. she and it's really more a compliment to her and her performance that like that is what comes across in that scene, yes. you know, um, which is pretty cool.
0: Um, And then the same year, she was in Creepshow, which I love and introduced you to to for the first time. Uh, And this, uh, it's, I believe, the first uh, one that she's in uh, called The Crate. Uh, And she's in it with Hal Holbrook and um, Fritz Weaver, uh, who's really great in it. Yeah, Um, yeah.
1: So, oh, I forgot that her and Holbrook were, like, in another thing together, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so it's it's also funny talking about this, too, because, like, uh, Swamp Thing is this really, like, tender romance. Uh, and then in The Crate, she's married to Hal Holbrook. And she is, like, a drunken, like, bitch of a wife yeah, that's constantly that's right. telling him how fucking terrible he is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, she's like, oh, and you fucked this up, too. That's, like, her whole character is, like, anytime she can, like, tell this guy that he's, like, done something wrong, she does. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it starts off at a house party where she's telling everyone how fucking terrible he is and she's what a goofy like, he is. She's just, like,
1: emasculating her husband and in front of like, a group of oh, people. like, holy shit.
0: Yeah. yeah. But that's one of my favorite um, installments in Creepshow. I really like the crate. Uh, the creature is, like, really cool in it and stuff, too. Um, yeah, she's... I, I love how much, like, she's involved with like, these, like, iconic pieces of, like, specifically horror.
1: I know. And it's, like, you, you know, for somebody that's, like, yeah, I'm not, like, really into that stuff. Like, she has done a lot of it. And we've yeah. talked about before where that just kind of happens with some of these actors and stuff. But you do get the impression she... It's, like she did like something about a lot of the yes. things that she actually chose to be a part of, you I know, agree. because she has a pretty good track record of really interesting horror movies, you yes, know?
0: Yes, I agree. Uh, and it just has, like, is able to do a lot of different things in these movies. Um, totally. I yeah, don't, right, this is a totally different character yeah, for her, really. I, I feel like, unlike a lot of, like, actresses at this time, especially in horror, like, i don't often see her playing the victim i don't often see her you know be the like scream queen like fighting for her life type like she is always these really strong like sturdy characters and like sometimes those characters are more romantic sometimes they're a fucking bitch but like it always like works like whatever she's doing which i really love um and then yeah, uh, she also uh, ha- has a very small role in the the thing from John Carpenter again. Uh, she is the voice on the computer. So there is that scene where um, Kurt Russell's character is playing chess like, like on the computer, and then he loses and just douses his like drink on it and breaks it. Yes. Yeah, Funny She's real- the voice.
1: It's funny to realize that that means uh, in John Carpenter's movie, The Thing, yeah. he has Kurt Russell call his wife a cheating bitch. That's what he <laughs> says before he pours the drink on the computer. Cheating oh, yeah. bitch and he pours the drink on the computer.
0: <laughs> I feel like that seems like something that he would just think is really yeah, funny. Yeah. You Yeah. Know? Um, Then in 1984, she's in a film called The Next One about an astronaut's widow and her young son who meet a stranger from the future on a Greek island. Wait, what? This sounded like a Starman ripoff to me. That was the first fucking thing I thought of. (laughs)
1: We need to find that. That sounds weird.
0: Yes. Um, In 1985, she was in the TV movie Terror at London Bridge, um, which stars David Hasselhoff, who plays a detective who thinks that Jack the Ripper's ghosts uh, came to Arizona uh, when the London Bridge did, which I was like, is that like a piece of history that I don't know, that like they moved the London Bridge to Arizona?
1: I don't know.
0: So fucking weird. Uh, But- am interested in watching that um and then in 1986 she was in back to school which i don't really remember her in at all but i've seen back to school a couple times
1: uh wait is this the movie i think it is
0: yeah it's the ronnie dangerfield movie oh yeah
1: ronnie dangerfield yeah Yeah, i've seen this movie i think i rented this with my dad as a child
0: yeah um yeah and i i I think it's a pretty funny movie. I mostly just remember that Kurt Vonnegut is in it, which I always love. Um, but I, I also think it's funny that she was in some of these comedies as well.
1: I don't even remember that apparently Robert Downey Jr. is in this movie too.
0: Oh, yeah. It's got a really crazy cast.
1: Yeah. Met Walsh, Ned Beatty. Yeah, this is wild. Um, in
0: 1987, she was in a film that we really need to find called Open House. Uh, and this this yeah. is the IMDb uh, description Someone is killing off nubile real estate agents, which I just love the word nubile. Description in it. That, yeah, um, I would love to see this movie. This is definitely on my list. We oh, yeah. to track it we, down we somehow. We did try
1: and find this, but uh, we're unable.
0: Yes. Um, and then I had this in here, and I thought you would love this. I, uh, yeah, I do. She was in a TV movie of Ultraman, The Adventure Begins, which was an animated Ultraman show. Yeah,
1: uh, I'm going to have to find that. Yeah. I really like tokusatsu, which is the genre of TV that Ultraman is. Yes. Uh, and Power Rangers, which is like more familiar yeah. to Americans, probably. I
0: was like, oh, Garrett's going to love this. Yeah, <laughs> I did
1: not know she was an Ultraman. I yep. am going to have to find that the particular yeah. Ultraman. Yeah.
0: Um, and then in 1989, she was in a movie called Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. Yeah, which um, we
1: almost watched based on title alone.
0: Yes, I think it it, it is on Amazon Prime, I believe. Yeah. Uh, we were just kind of short yeah, on time. Yeah, we chose
1: some other stuff, yeah.
0: Uh, but this is one I am very interested in watching. Yeah. Uh, then we get to her career in the 90s. Uh, she was on... Uh, the Love Boat, The Next Wave, <laughs>
2: uh,
0: as well as Batman, the animated series, playing Catwoman, oh which my is God. very
1: cool. I didn't know that she was Catwoman. I yes. watched the animated series yep. growing up a lot. I had no idea. That makes so much sense. Hell
0: yeah. Uh, she was also in an episode of Angry Beavers. Huh. So, I
1: love Angry Beavers. It
0: was not my favorite, but I did watch it all the time because I watched Nickelodeon It's all one the time. of my
1: faves. I love the Angry uh, Beavers.
0: But I was like, oh, this is again like one of these actors who I think of now in my adult life loving for all of these things, but they were also somehow a part of my childhood, yeah, yeah. which I find really interesting. Um, she mentions that she loves doing voice work. She's like, don't have to put on makeup, don't have to get fitted for <laughs> costumes, don't have to wake up at 4.30 to get this to set on time. And I do truly enjoy having to use only my voice to express what the character is going through. Plus, no worries about memorizing the lines. Word perfect. I can read them. <laughs> I was like, oh, of course. That's, yeah, yeah.
1: For my own heart. <laughs>
0: Um, in 1990, she was in Two Evil Eyes, uh, which is Argento. And-
1: so Argento and Romero. And I Romero, think, right? Yes. Yeah, it's like technically a horror anthology, but it's really like basically a double feature. Yeah, it's like two like hour long, forty five minutes hour long. Yeah. Kind of short features, yes. Which um,
0: uh, we we again like wanted to rewatch this and just like decided. Yeah, to actually, do some other stuff because it's been a while since I've seen this. I own
1: this because I really like it yeah. and just have not watched it in a really long time. But it's like I think it's an adaptation of the Black Cat and yes. something else. What's the other one? I can't remember. Um, but uh, they're both really good. It's you know again, it's like to call it an anthology is maybe a little bit of a disservice, but. Uh, it's one of the best ones because both of the movies in it are, are super strong, I think.
0: Yes, I agree. Yes, oh, yeah, so the other one
1: is called The Facts in the Case of Mr. Valdemar, which is the one that she's in, right? is,
0: is the one that she is oh, in. Oh, so good. And I was trying to figure out which one is that, if that's the Romero or the... Uh,
1: that's Margin the Romero one. one. Gotcha. That yeah. makes sense. Um, and and that's crime everyone. That's the one about like basically there ends up being like a kind of a dead body in the basement. I believe so. Yeah, right? yeah. but it's
0: been a while since I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I like it, and I also just think it's interesting having these two distinct horror directors yeah. from two very different like circles yeah. do this movie. Well,
1: and and basically like they get united because um, uh, Argento likes Night of the Living Dead so mm, much that, makes sense. that he's like basically when Romero's trying to make Dawn of the Dead, mm-hmm. he ends up needing Argento's help to kind of like get it done. Yeah. And, and the agreement that gets made is Argento is going to release his like own cut of the movie for like European audiences. Yeah. Um, and that's how you end up with the Goblin soundtrack because mm-hmm. that's like Argento's oh, thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they end up, they they become friends basically. Yeah. Um, and, and end up working on this together.
0: Oh, what a guy. Yeah. Um... In 1991, she does a TV movie called Double Crossed with Dennis Hopper and Richard Jenkins. Um, It's a film about, uh, it tells about Barry Seal, a pilot who was a drug smuggler for the infamous Medellin cartel out of Columbia. Um, In 1993, she was in the movie Fatherhood with Patrick Swayze and Halle Berry.
1: I just saw a poster for this today I know. and it's pretty funny.
0: He plays just like a deadbeat dad who kidnaps his kids, right. uh, which is uh, interesting. Also, him and Halle Berry in a movie I found to be like a
1: That's very like, huh. interesting and yeah.
0: Um she has a small role in Demolition Man uh playing the voice of the mainframe computer. Uh she gets to play computers a lot, I've noticed. That's
1: pretty cool. Another one I haven't seen and would really like to. Yeah.
0: Um, in 1994, she was in a movie called Six Degrees with Mark Hamill about a sexy TV star who witnesses a murder and two federal agents take her to a remote lodge to protect her until the trial. But the lodge isn't as remote okay. as you think it is.
1: I mean, that's I would an watch it. Interesting pairing. I, you know, you and I, I think are are Hamill fans. And... Yeah,
0: we've talked about this before. Like, I would like to see more of these like offbeat, weird uh, Hamill movies that I've never heard of before. Yes,
1: yes. It looks like it's called Silk Degrees, yes. which is is so what a weird title very
0: strange title um in 1995 she was in judge Dredd, and she's the voice of central which i assume is like another computer thing oh my god
1: yeah that's so interesting demolition man and judge Dredd.
0: yep and then uh this is a movie i wanted to find it's a tv movie called burial of the rats all right um In 19th century France, a young Bram Stoker is captured by a man-hating all-female cult of thong bikini wares. What? Aided by flesh-eating rats, the warrior women raid the lairs of evil men and punish them. Uh, I'm very into this movie, of course.
1: This sounds incredible. Yes. Uh, Well, okay, we need to find that.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, And then we get to her career in the 2000s. So for TV and like other things, she does. um, Actually, does uh, she plays Sif in one of the Marvel video games? Okay. Um, She was on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Batman Beyond, Gotham Girls, Totally Spies, which is a show me and my sisters used to watch. (laughs) And she had a recurring role on the Drew Carey Show in Carnival.
1: Oh, I used to watch the uh, Drew Carey Show a lot. Me and my sister like loved that. I, I wonder. I'm sure I've seen the her episodes.
0: Yeah. Um, and then in 2000, she is in the movie The Convent, uh, which I believe was on 2B, And we watched that because we wanted to see some of her later work.
1: Hell fucking yeah, and we did. And this is a
0: really fun movie that I'm surprised I don't hear more about. I
1: can't believe I've never heard anybody talk about The Convent. It is, uh, you know... To, okay, so a favorite movie of yours is Night of the Demons. Yes. This movie feels very inspired by Night of I the agree. Demons. But also, I mean, in my opinion... Basically, once you get to the year 2000, you stop getting, like, good campy movies. Yeah. And this is a good campy movie. Yeah. Like, this movie is campy, like, truly campy mm-hmm. in a way that really works and I thought was really fun and entertaining. It
0: has a super strong opening. that oh You mentioned God, it, yeah. like, reminded you of Tarantino. It definitely yeah. has, like, Tarantino vibes. It's got that
1: post-Tarantino thing of, like... Yeah. Just the coolest shit you've ever seen happening on screen, but it's also like edgy man, you know? Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, you're literally watching like a bunch of nuns get lit on fire and shotgunned today. By
0: like this really cool girl in the 50s. So she's got like a leather jacket and glasses. And yeah, she's burning and like mowing down these nuns. And you have zero context for why it's happening. Yes.
1: (laughs) Uh, And then it just becomes, you know, like dumb teenager movie. Yeah, like Haunted House. Yeah. Teenagers break But with these great campy performances, like they found these actors that look like CW, like hotties, Mm -hmm. but totally get what movie they're in and are like really, really playing it like just perfectly, I think like, the cast in this is yeah. nailing that camp vibe, you know.
0: Um, who? Oh my God! Who? The cops. Uh, oh God! Yeah. Is it Bill Mosley? Yes, it Bill Mosley is Bill one of Moseley them. Bill Mosley is one of them who is. Um, uh, one of the main characters in like Three from Hell and uh, those uh, Rob Zombie movies. Yeah, he's
1: one of the zombies, like guys, you know. Uh, uh, oh, and Coolio. And <laughs>
0: Coolio they played, is the other officer. They played cops that, <laughs> yeah. and Coolio is like over the top screaming at these kids, like, I will shoot you right now. And it's yep. like, it's definitely Coolio being like, oh, this is what I think all cops are like. And he is correct. Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: It is super fun. Yeah. I loved this movie. It's like it's pretty queer too. It's got like yeah. um, some pretty expressly queer characters that like bring. Yeah, a one lot of them
0: of, is someone who's from Drag Race now. Uh, oh, interesting. RuPaul. Oh, that's yeah. cool.
1: Um, and uh, you know, they they the movie in general, I think, has that kind of like queer energy yeah. that a lot of camp stuff has, mm-hmm. but then also allows for space for there to be like some expressly queer characters yeah. too, which I think is really cool. Um, And it just, this movie made me laugh. It's, like, funny.
0: And uh, so, Barbeau, like, comes in, like, halfway through. uh, But she's so great. And she's so fun. She's to do, like. You said, like, a Sarah Connor kind of thing. Yeah, like. Yeah. And,
1: and, like, scene-chewing badassery, too. Where it's, like, she. It's that quote that you read earlier where she's, like, I don't really like horror movies unless there's, like. Something interesting in it, or a tone that I get, or like some kind of yeah. sense of humor. And this movie has a real sense of humor mm-hmm. and casts her specifically because she's Adrian Barbeau, yeah, this like famous hottie from back in the day that yeah. was in a bunch of great horror movies, to play a character that is basically like a a hottie from back in the day that did something really badass and mm-hmm. is now needed to help these teenagers, like. Yeah save themselves from what they've gotten themselves into. And so she just gets to be seen chewing badass older woman, Sarah Connor style, Mm -hmm. um, who gets to literally ride a motorcycle through a wall to yeah. like blast some demons away with a shotgun you know like
0: and another thing I wanted to finish too because she's like such a badass yeah. but she and but she's also so charismatic and I wonder if it's also because she does have this background doing a lot of like sitcom TV yeah. stuff but she's like very funny yes she uh, she like gets these really great moments where she is just like has these comic beats too that are very present in like I think a lot of her horror which yeah, is really I mean, fun even
1: going back to Swamp Thing it's like it's the thing that yeah. was so compelling about that movie was the witty dialogue and it's just as much her as it is any of the other yeah, characters. For
0: sure. Yeah,
1: she's really good at that.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Convent like, definitely uh, I loved worth, this. W- worth a watch. It
1: feels like a camp classic like waiting to be discovered in my opinion. I
0: agree. Uh, in 2001, she was in a movie called Spring Break Lawyer uh, <laughs> okay. with Busy Phillips.
1: <laughs> oh, sure, sure, yeah. Uh,
0: which I was like, I don't think we need a description about that movie. We nope, get it. I
1: get it, I got it.
0: Uh, in 2002, she was in a film called No Place Like Home, which was a kids' film starring Judge Reinhold. Okay, she does. does a lot of these, uh, like Christmas movies. She was in The Santa Trap, uh, a TV movie.
1: Uh-huh. I mean, I assume at this point, like, she's got growing kids of her own. A lot of actors do this, where they're like, "Yeah, I'll be in a couple movies that yep. I can show my kids."
0: Uh, in 2003, she was in a film called Ghost Rock, which is a western starring uh, Gary Busey and Jeff Fahey.
1: Okay, wait. I'm you don't care, but I'm looking that one up.
0: Y- yeah, I don't care. It's got a good <laughs> name though, Ghost Rock. Yeah, I like Ghost it. Rock. Um. In two thousand four, she was in another TV movie called *Ring of Darkness*, which is described to be like a horror musical. Oh, okay. Uh, which I hadn't heard of. Uh, and then in two thousand seven, she does a film called *Unholy*, which she and she stars in it with Nicholas Brendan, who plays Xander on Buffy. Yeah, yeah,
1: he's uh, always uh,
0: weird seeing him pop up in other stuff. He's
1: in the movie *Coherence* that I like so much. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, and the movie's about a woman who lost her daughter to suicide, and she investigates a theory that may have to do with the young girl's death.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Um she was in another animated kids' film called Fly Me to the Moon 3D. Uh kind of remember that movie. Tim Curry and Christopher Lloyd. That's cool. Uh in two thousand eight she does a comedy drama uh, which was directed by LeVar Burton. Oh. Um I didn't really know he had much like background directing film, but it's yeah, called Reach for Me. Cool. Uh, in 2009, she does a TV movie called War Wolves with John Saxon.
1: Hell yeah! Hell
0: yeah! Great combo. And then she does The Dog Who Saved Christmas.
1: <laughs> uh, maybe at some point we'll have a Barbo Christmas marathon. Oh,
0: I know. Uh, which we could also do that now with like Kurt Russell and stuff too. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah, that's right. Dee Wallace, I think too, is like now in some. Like we talked about some of those like Hallmarky kind we of. We could just do a,
1: a Killer Bees Christmas. Uh, yeah. Maybe that, we'll have to do a Christmas special sometime. That could be really fun. Yeah
0: um we get to her roles in the 2010s um so she plays a, she plays Hera in Gods of War 3 the video game okay which was um, kind of cool. those
1: video games are like very popular and considered yeah. to be I think I'm thinking of the right series I think that those are some of the more like people like those as like artistic games yeah, yeah. um
0: and she plays Hera who's Zeus's wife and it's right. kind of this like you know Uh, vengeful like angry wife because you know zeus is a pig uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh, zeus sucks uh but i love that (laughs) hashtag zeus sucks zeus really sucks um she was in general hospital criminal minds sons of anarchy revenge and uh also had like a small role in the swamp thing reboot that they tried to do uh
1: dc did that for that like online service that they were doing yeah that's right
0: um in 2010 she was in the dog who saved christmas vacation
1: gotta be a sequel to the god who the dog who saved christmas i assume um
0: and then this is a movie we talked about too uh for saxon episode um this film that i still don't think has actually been released but it's called bring me the head of lance henrickson yeah tim thomerson john saxon and lance henrickson
1: oh i didn't Um, know she's in that too okay so that's like one of those things where it's like we got to somehow find yeah, that yeah we gotta
0: yeah because i think it's, it's we talked about this but it is essentially like a um uh what's the movie where it's like there can only be one why am i thinking Can't, oh yeah i've yeah. never seen it uh,
1: highlander yes
0: but it's like it's like highlander for b-movie stars yeah, is yeah. essentially the plot of this movie so right. i feel like it is perfect for this podcast um in 2012, she was in Argo, the you know oh. Academy Award winning movie. Oh, that's, that's crazy. Movie. I've seen yeah. that
1: movie. I, I don't remember that she was in that. Um, that, that that's a good movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, I have not seen it. Uh, in 2015, she's in a movie called Divine Access with Gary Cole about a man who becomes a spiritual celebrity after debunking a reverend on public Access TV.
1: Oh, that's kind of yeah. cool. I like Gary Cole, too.
0: Yeah. Um, And then she does Tales of Halloween uh, as the uh, radio DJ that is... Kind of narrating all of the different uh, stories in this movie. Uh, so we yeah. watched this one too.
1: Yeah, this is another horror anthology. I think it's like eleven segments, yes. so it's like kind of like like distinctly short films, right? They're like yeah. nine or ten minutes. Apiece. And I think
0: you like see her face like briefly at the beginning, right at the beginning. but she is just like the DJ voice yep. uh, that connects all the stories. And it's funny because you know I didn't really realize this was a thing, but like um, Southbound is like that too, where okay. it's just this DJ whose voice is like connecting all of these different stories yep. um tales from halloween was really fun i don't think I there was lot. any segment i like outright disliked right. or anything they were all pretty interesting um lucky mckee does one yeah. the director of may um th- i forget there were a couple other oh, yeah, like, interesting I, I names can look it up. but well, like also them... barbara crampton's in it mcgarris is in mm-hmm. it like you get a lot of these uh, felicia rose from sleepaway camp bunch of people yeah
1: right um and and one of the directors was the director of the convent yes um, true uh, oh, yeah, right. So Darren Lynn Boozman directs one of these. Um, uh, XL Carolyn. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Who are some of the other people here? Because there were, I mean, there's like, there's 11 of these. So there's like a bunch yeah, of people. Yeah, there's a lot of segments. Um, uh, Neil Marshall did one of them that I actually oh, yeah. thought was really good. It was that pumpkin one, which mm, was really cool. The
0: pumpkin one was cool.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, Mike, Men- Mike Mendez is who we've been talking about. He did the Friday the 31st segment, which was yes. pretty fun. Um, He did the convent as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's just, there's a lot of like interesting people that worked on this and it's got like a tremendous cast.
0: Your guitar is falling. Oh,
1: (laughs) I I heard you make a noise. I was like, what?
0: (laughs) I was like, I gotta save this. Uh, Yeah. uh, Definitely liked it a decent amount. Um... Yeah. I I
1: liked this quite a bit, actually. You know, she, her role is kind of minimal. She, and really is because of the fog. Let's get her to do the radio DJ voice to connect all of these. Um, But, She's good at that. You know. She is very good. Yeah. And I just, I actually think this is one of the stronger horror anthologies that I've seen.
2: Yeah.
0: um, She's then in a movie called Death House, which I think she's also credited as the narrator. Um, But it has Tony Todd, Kane Hodder, Andy Wallace in it.
1: Yeah, that was another one of those, like, get all these legends together yeah. in a movie movie.
0: Um, Two guards fighting through a power breakdown inside the secret Death House prison must fight to survive ruthless inmates and even supernatural horror. Yeah. Um, In 2018, she does a horror comedy called Hell's Kitty. (laughs) Okay. Um, And then does a movie called Big Legend, which is a Bigfoot movie with Lance Henriksen. Okay. Um, She does Malevolence 3, Killer is the the title. (laughs) For some
1: reason, those movies pop up on streaming services all the time. The Malevolence movie? I don't even know what they are, but I I see them all the time.
0: Yeah. and then in 2019, she does a film called Chain of Death uh, with Ray Weiss. Oh,
1: that's cool. I would watch that just to see them be in a movie together again. Also,
0: the first time, as soon as I heard Chain of Death, I was like, is chain this letter? related to chain letter, yeah. chain letter, which we love so much? Uh-huh. Um, it's about a man who enlists uh, the services of an assisted suicide company, but discovers in order to take part, he must kill someone first. Oh, whoa, weird. So it actually is like kind of a weird plot. Um, she was then in a movie called Exorcism at 60,000 feet with Lance Henriksen. That's cool. So um, that means
1: she worked with him a couple of times as well.
0: Yeah. Which I really love. That's a
1: great title by the way.
0: Yeah. And you, I mean, you get what it's about. Yeah. I feel like without, I think it was why anything. we ended
1: up choosing not to watch this one. Cause we were like, yeah, I, I got it.
0: I got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know why we keep like we keep setting horror movies in planes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why that's a space w- we love now. I but... wonder
1: if that's like a cheap space to recreate with a set or Maybe. something. You know what yeah. I mean?
0: I mean, there's that new one, which I've heard good things about, Blood Red Sky. Oh, right, that's yeah. like a vampire in
1: on a plane. In a plane. <laughs> yeah. Vampires on a plane.
0: Vampires on a plane. Um, she then does a movie called Hoax with Brian Thompson about an investigating team traveling uh, to remote Colorado um, to discover Bigfoot. Uh, so okay. another Bigfoot movie. Bigfoots, and then she is in uh, *Gates of Darkness* with Tobin Bell, oh, yeah. who is uh, Jigsaw, Jigsaw in the, the Saw movies uh then we get to her roles in the 2020s um so she is the and they're doing it right now she's in american horror stories the new uh season they like horror double Story. feature
1: uh or whatever yeah, i think they which, keep calling it god
0: yeah. i haven't cared about that show in like a very long time yeah. but uh she is also uh, in creep show which is exciting oh, the
1: series yeah, yeah okay that's cool um,
0: which is on shutter and is very fun um in 2020, she does a film called *Unearth*, which uh, the tagline is a fracking horror story. Okay. Um, and it has uh, Mark Blukas, who plays uh, Riley on Buffy. Okay. Um, and it follows two neighboring farm families whose relationships are strained when one of them chooses to lease their land to an oil and gas company. Once the land is drilled, there's like a dormant evil secret that, Yo, that is unearthed. Cool. Um, yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, she does uh, Curious George, Go West, Go Wild.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got to have those Curious George sequels.
0: Yep. Uh, and then she does, uh, oh, this is a film, one of the films that's in post-production uh, called Hellblazers with Bruce Dern, Billy Zane, and Tony Todd. Ooh. Uh, it's set in the late 80s. A uh, satanic cult has a singular focus of unleashing a hell on Earth. Uh, with the help of an ancient incantation, they conjure a demon and its members are tasked with feeding it the populace of a nearby small town. <laughs> okay.
1: Sounds wild. Uh,
0: sounds fun. And, like, would be interested in seeing that. Yeah. Um, And then she also is in a film that's in pre-production called The Pitchfork with Tony Todd and Dee Wallace. All right.
2: Uh,
0: A horror icon kidnaps five of the hottest auteurs in the genre for a dinner party. Each of the guests pitch our host uh, with their best idea for a horror film, the caveat being that only the winning storyteller will survive. I
1: wonder if this is a horror anthology and it's like an excuse to like Mm. put the, it sounds like it's an excuse to put the filmmakers in the movie at like a dinner and then have them each like split in a yarn which is whatever. an interesting that's idea cool. yeah. yeah
0: so i think both of those i kind of want to like keep an eye out for Yeah. um so according to al- also a recent interview um that she had done um she said that she's working on john Cho's uh cowboy bebop uh, oh which no is very shit. exciting
1: oh that's awesome
0: um because we're both we're, very oh excited yeah about we, that. we
1: love cowboy bebop and i'm yeah. excited for that adaptation because it just seems like they're doing the details right and so i'm very excited I agree. about it
0: um in 2019, it only has a few episodes, but she was the host of Fangoria's podcast called She Kills, which I loved. Yeah. Um, so she hosts it and explores, um, like, horror through her female lens. Um, people like Karen Kusama, D. Wallace, Jennifer Tilly were all on it. Yeah. Um, and they had episodes about, like... Sex by Death, Damsels in the Stress, Final Girls, Rape Revenge, Nunsploitation. Like, they cover, like, The Gambit. It's really good. I never listened to that. I remember when it came out. Yeah. uh, Yeah. She's, like, a great host for it. Um, And, yeah, it's just, like, an excuse to get all these really awesome, like, women in horror together to talk about stuff. So cool. Um, Yeah. The pair-ups are really good. Um, she returned to the New York stage for the first time in 34 years to portray uh Judy Garland in The Property Known as Garland, uh written by her then husband, playwriter Billy Vance. Okay.
1: That's that's cool.
0: Yeah. Um she also had a role in the horror remake Halloween from two thousand seven, but it, uh it was ultimately deleted from the final finished film, but it is included in the DVD special features. Huh. Um she also uh, became a writer. Um, she said in 2002, I received a message from my closest friend who had died in 1998 telling me I was supposed to enroll in a writing class Whoa. and then started writing after that. Um, so she has a memoir that she wrote called There Are Worst Things I Could Do, which hmm. um, I know one of the big things in that is that she does talk about like being a pregnant 50 year old woman and what yeah, that experience is yeah. like. Um, and then she also has a series of romance novels that are about vampires. Um, one of them is called Make Me Dead, A Vampires of Hollywood Mystery, and then the other one's called Love Bites. Hell yeah. um, her favorite horror movies are The Fog, Creepshow, and The Covenant.
1: Of course, The Really convent, great the combination. Convent, yeah. Convent,
0: yeah. Um, and then I had like a, a quote here that I really loved. Uh, it says, "I guess what I enjoy most is the opportunity to take names and kick ass and play a gamut of emotions that rarely show up altogether, at least in other genres." I mean, how many female judges get to blow away the bad guys with anything other than a verdict? <laughs> I
1: wonder what that's in reference to. I know
0: it's so funny, uh, but yeah, she's uh, such a badass.
1: Yeah, she's great.
0: Um, and then yeah, there's a couple sources I had be- here. Uh, the goldderby.com had an article about her roger also had an article from the 80s and then cryptic rock uh, was also a really good source um she's fucking dope i
1: i, I love her yes. uh, she reminds me um of uh one of my aunts actually um i, I have an aunt that looks and sounds mm. a lot like adrian barbeau um which uh I don't know, I think something about that uh like makes her very dear to me. Yeah. Just, you know. I think about someone in my life all the time whenever Aww. I'm like seeing Adrian. It's cute. Um and uh yeah, she just like she's one of those actresses that is like so good in everything I've seen her in. Mm. But it's really, like, the, like, strength of her presence that I think I respond to. Like, I agree. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, like, I I feel like I said sturdy earlier. There's yeah, yeah. something, like, sturdy about her that I just, like, appreciate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, whenever I'm like, oh, she's in this, awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. totally agree. And honestly, Swamp Thing was the big discovery. Swamp Thing yeah. and the convent were, like... The two big like wow these are like really good yeah. interesting movies yeah
0: and she's fantastic yeah she so of them. good in both of yeah. them
1: yeah those would be my big recommends to people listening yeah uh, awesome well season two is off to a good start yeah it's fun um, let's wrap it up you can find us everywhere online at Killer BS Podcast Killer BS Podcast look us up interact with us um, Tori's been doing a great job doing these like special feature things throughout the uh, interim here. Thank you very much for, for doing this. You're welcome. Um, uh, so, you know, keep up with the show online because we, you know, we post clips like interviews with all the people that we mm-hmm. do and um, clips from their movies and stuff. Yeah, uh, just like
0: fun, weird stuff yeah. that we love to share with you.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, you can find me on the Internet at Film Adelphia, That's with an F. Um, look me up on Letterbox. I love writing about movies over there. And, uh, you know, moviejohn.com.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm Tori or Victoria on most things. I'm helping run the Killer Bees Twitter account, and uh, yeah, also writing for Movie John. It's been a while, but like you know, I'm doing my Women Who Kill uh, series on there. I got to talk about May on a Pretty Wild Things podcast, which is a really great podcast, and I had a lot of fun doing it. So check out uh, some of that stuff.
1: Yeah. All right, I think that'll do it for us, right? Yeah. We'll the next one, Buzz Buzz Buzz.